0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a, a wonderful morning as we've been worshiping our God. I'm thankful for the sermon that we have before us this morning. We are talking naturally about the elders, because of the fact that we are looking in the midst of of appointing, possibly appointing all three men. It just depends on what's going to transpire in the next um, few days. But God willing, that would happen. But I wanted to actually talk about just the role, the purposes of of why we even have elders. And I was glad that that Steve had read for us out of John chapter 10 because we actually have a good shepherd that shows us what it's like to be a true leader in the kingdom of our Lord. And so that's the thing that I'm wanting to speak about. And if you just picked up on the fact of of Paul, who is writing to or discussing, I should say, with the shepherds, with the elders, there's a lot of work they have. There's a lot of stress that elders have. And interestingly enough, because of the dynamics that go on with this leadership and by virtue of the centuries that have passed, the traditions that take place in the role of them, it behooves us to actually discuss and see what scriptures teach us. And so think about why we actually need shepherds, why we need elders. I believe when you look and see what's written and why it's written in the New Testament scriptures, you'll see the Lord's wisdom in having shepherds on this side of eternity if you will if we look at just this room don't even have to go outside of this building we're gonna have Christians and in the body of Christ just because you have Christians doesn't mean that every single person walks worthy of the calling we all have lives and and because We live in a very different dynamic, right? Or I think in our Bible class last week, we were talking about how the city of Jerusalem, I mean, you can fit a lot of that city just on our church property, let alone this few blocks between here and downtown Franklin. And when you think about, think about whether you have a million people or so, however many are living in the city of Jerusalem in the first century, between here and the downtown area of Franklin, compared to... To now that's cramped quarters you get to know everyone really well right on the other hand we have i mean shirley lives down in alabama no 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 actually it's like <laughs> more like closer to centerville i should say and then we have brethren on the other side of nashville i in murfreesboro smyrna i mean just everywhere and yet We can text and call and write very quickly to each other. It's just a very different dynamic that we have. And so when we're thinking about what's going on in the church, you have all the different lives. And because we live far away and we don't live so close together, sometimes we can go out and live lives not pleasing to God and no one would know it. Right? I mean, if if we lived in the first century and we're all crammed, literally house next to house, I mean, knock on the door and there's the wall and there's my neighbor, that's different. We're just in each other's lives. And so as a result, we can go about living life and and do things that are contrary to the, the way of Christ and no one would know the better. Here's what was going on in the first century that is every bit, if not more so for us in the 21st century. I want you to turn open to Colossians chapter 3, and I was going to read the passage here. It's been read many times, and you should be familiar with it, but I want to read it from a standpoint of just seeing why we need to have shepherds. So Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. Indeed, let me make sure I'm in the, the right place. I'm in Philippians. <laughs> now you yourselves are put to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to each other since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now think about this. You're a Christian and yet you're being told to behave like a Christian. You would think you'd already know that. It's almost like as if... You're telling children, I want you to behave. You're like, I've heard that before, Mom. I heard that before, Dad. Behave. Well, why are you repeating it then? Because you still need children to behave even after being taught to behave. Same thing with Christians. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have it all put together. Everything is just really good. I'm also going to mess up one of those phrases I had. (laughs) So you're doing really well. You have all these reminders. Reminders. Because while we have put off the old man of sin when we're baptized into Christ, right, we still show signs of the flesh. So we have these teachings. And so the apostle Paul says, put off the old man, put on the new man. In Ephesians chapter 4, when you read verses 11 through 15 and following, you see this growth that takes place within the body of Christ. And this picture of the body of Christ is of one person. That's the image of the entire body of believers, one person. And what that person looks like is a mature person. That's the image in verse 15 in Ephesians 4. So here's Christians saved, yet because of the way of these letters being written to them, They're being taught to continue to grow in Jesus Christ, to put off the old man in Jesus Christ, put away sins, and add the things of the Spirit in their lives all throughout the New Testament, right? So while the church is being told to be renewed according to the one who created him, right? We just read that in Colossians 3 verse 10. It was God, through his wisdom, that knew that we needed to have people who are image bearers of Jesus in a very mature way, to serve as earthly examples. And if I can, for just just a few seconds, look at this concept of being elders. It's taken from an Old Testament background. It was not like a new concept, the idea of having elders. Because they grew up with elders, not in the Lord's church in this regard, but in the community of Jews, Under the old law and what you would see typically are those who are older those who have lived through their lives and gained wisdom and what have you that the people would go to these men and seek wise counsel from them. And so the scriptures talk about the white haired man and and the wisdom that he is able to share with those who are younger or share with those who are not as mature. And that's what you're seeing but more in an official capacity in the New Testament scriptures. And so again, God in his wisdom shows us an earthly example or various earthly examples of those who are bearing his image. So if that's the case, then when we see elders and I've added the word true elders because elders can sin. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But when you're talking about the concept of truly being an elder as according to first Timothy three or Titus chapter one, You're going to see qualities in them that God wants to have all of us have, right? And some would say, well, what about being the husband of one wife? You know, women can't do that. Yeah, but you get the point. You can be a faithful, godly woman. You can apply what is for this man to being a woman. And so you're seeing qualities of maturity, qualities of good, godly servanthood, being expressed through their leadership. And what you're seeing it when you read these passages as was given in uh, Ephesians four verses 14 and 15, this maturing process exemplified in these men. And that's what you also see when we get to passages like first Timothy three, Titus chapter one, this maturity is seen in their homes. And that's why when you read those two lists that are given in first Timothy three and Titus chapter one, and by the way, again, strong, strong opinion that I have. Those lists are not exclusive. And I gave you the reasons last year in that sermon. So if you want to go back to last year's sermon, it's on the web. Those lists are not exclusive. They're inclusive. Because you have things that show a person's, a man's godliness in the home. And what he says to Titus was not necessarily explicitly said to Timothy. (coughs) Right? But they're showing the picture. Are you a godly husband? Are you a godly father? Do you raise your children well? Right? That's the picture that is given. And that maturity is seen within their family. That maturity is seen um, in the, not only in the home place, but in the community at large. Like do the people in Franklin or Brentwood or Nolansville or College Grove or Leaper's Fork, right, do they know these men that we're looking to possibly serve as shepherds here? What is their reputation? Well, the elders of Scripture have a good reputation, not only within their own home, but in the community at large. The people speak well of these men. That's what you see. And what is true at home and what is true in the community would consistently be true in the body of Christ. What do we know of the men? Well, everything that we know of him, little or great of any of these men, would show them to be mature. Mature in the way they handle stressful situations. Mature in being able to use God's word in a sound biblical way. These are the things that we're talking about. So thus, they bear the image of God from a standpoint that when you see this maturity being expressed in their lives, you're looking at Jesus. A reflection of Jesus In each of these men. (coughs) Very seriously speaking. That's what you should be able to see in any person. Who's going to be an elder. And so those are the things that we're talking about here. I want to read Ephesians chapter 4 by the way one more time from that vantage point. So that you get the picture of this maturity that is expressed in Ephesians 4. And apply it from the body standpoint to an individual. Ephesians chapter 4, notice what he's saying, verses 14 and 15. These are individuals that are not like children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but instead speak the truth in love. This picture, which is of the body of Christ, should be expressed in those who would serve as mature leaders within the body of Christ. They are workers, if you will, because verse 16, here's what each individual does, and that's exactly what a mature individual does in the body of Christ. They're not fringe in the body of Christ. They're core, if you will. They're glue, if you will, where the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. And if you think about it, if you have a child of God who's being considered one of the church leaders and he does not contribute to the growth of the body, he should not be serving as an elder. If you have someone who's being considered to be an elder and he's not even doing the work within the body of Christ where every, point, every part does it share, guess what? Not every single person in the body of Christ does work. We have brethren that fall away. In the faith, fall away in, 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 in just their work in the cause of Christ. It happens. And the thing is, we're not the judge, but what we do see is we get to see fruit and how it's born and how it affects the body. You know, is this person's fruit building up the body or tearing the body or bringing it down? Is it good ripe fruit or rotten fruit? That we can see. And based upon these things, we can tell whether or not someone is... Being worthy, if you will, of a very difficult office in the church. And so I want to look at just the two primary, there's, there's sub-purposes, but two primary purposes. The scriptures make very explicit about the role and the work, if you will, the labors of those who serve as elders. And up, And very similar to what Steve was talking about, the first thing he does as a good shepherd is to lead. So that's exactly what Steve was reading out of John chapter 10, right? Even though he's talking about how the sheep know his voice, they hear his voice, they follow him. All that is given in in John chapter 10, we get. So whether there or Psalm 23, you get a picture of what a good shepherd is like in Jesus. And that's what you should see in followers then of Jesus. So again, you get the good husband, you get the good father, you get the good worker, right? The good worker being whether you are a boss... An employee, a master or a servant, what kind of man is he? Like if he's a servant, does he serve well? Like can he take orders really well? Does he look to help his his boss out to make the very best for his boss's situation? Or if he's a good leader, a good employer, how does he treat his his workers? All of those things are very key because when it comes to being transferred into the body of Christ, you're going to see a reflection of that style of leadership. That's what you see. This is really key, by the way, this next point. It's not in Scripture per se. It's implied in Scripture. And so we had Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31. And I want to go back to that passage because it is implied in this point, even if not explicit. I want you to look at this text here and see if we can get some sense of what's going on in the church Troas. Acts 20, beginning in verse 28. The apostle says to these elders who have met him in Troas, he says, I want you to take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And I want you to shepherd it because after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. I'm not gonna spare the flock. You're gonna have to have men with backbone, men that are firm in the faith. That will deal with those that will destroy the body of Christ. And when that time comes, it's going to be a very stressful situation. How do you handle those situations? And all you have to do is look back upon the history of these men in various stressful situations. How did they handle themselves in these situations? Because that's the kind of leaders you want. If they can handle themselves well in difficult situations, that's who you want serving. And that's what we see in scripture not only do they handle stressful situations they do it with self control they do it with justice in mind right i'm not going to let, let's say here's a situation i'll just use julie as an example cuz she's my wife i'm not going to take julie's side because she is my wife if if there was a side to be taken it's did she do right with Whoever she has a problem with and and if I was a shepherd of I use Phil since Phil seeing him here and He's one of our elders if Phil says well, you know, I like Julie, so I'm gonna take her side. That would not be good leadership Or if if you take someone because they have this reputation and you take the side just because of that This person does justice in all situations That's good leadership That's what we're talking about here. There's a genuine care and concern, not just for this one person, but for both sides. Not just for these two individuals, but for the entirety of the flock. Not just for today, but for tomorrow as well. How do I handle this situation? Do I do it in a manner that would be well-pleasing to our God? And so these are the things that we see That make for a good shepherd. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 5, I want you to turn to that passage again. Another familiar passage. And while this passage typically is focused in on those that that, um, are worthy of their hire. Right? And so we're talking about the financial well-being of those who serve as shepherds. I want you to get into how you treat someone who has this type of leadership quality serving as a shepherd. So in chapter 5, verse 17 of Paul's letter to Timothy, here's what he says. Excuse me. Again, I'm having a hard time with the passages here. Chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine and teaching, if you will. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. The labor is worthy of his wages and he says do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses and those if i can just go a little further on those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear kind of like that whole passage we read in in acts chapter five even not dealing with elderships but with ananias and Sapphira, and fear came upon the church Because you're seeing just how important it is to keep the body of Christ pure. And if the leadership is not pure, what's going to happen to the body? There are men that are able to aptly teach the mysteries of the faith. So that other Christians can grow into being good image bearers of Jesus Christ. And the men that do it well, and they they teach, they they share God's word. I mean, it goes on to say, you honor them. And whether it's a financial honor or it's one that's in your heart, you honor them. That's what should happen. Because these are godly men that are seeking to build up, not tear down, the body of Christ. The thing is, they don't just shepherd or guide, they protect. And the whole reason why we were reading that passage in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 following, is because you have individuals that come in and they may justify their situation as being all righteous before God, but the fruit has shown otherwise. You need men that are gonna have that backbone to protect the body of Christ from its enemies, even the enemies that can come from within. That's the kind of men we need. And so you have that. In fact, in Paul's letter to Titus, in Titus chapter one, he says, I want these men to serve as bishops because here's what's going to happen. So go to Titus. And in Titus chapter 1, picking up in verse 9, he says this. Now, what these men, right, the men that are going to serve as elders or bishops, presbyters, however you want to say it, these are all synonymous to the work that they have. He says, I want them To hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be by sound doctrine able to exhort, that is to build up, and to convict those who contradict. You're going to have to protect the church. For there are many, verse 10, insubordinate, (coughs) idle talkers, deceivers. And Paul went on to explicitly say, you know, those guys of the circumcision, their mouths must be stopped because they're destroying the body. But these men, these men who are going to be sound and we see them being sound at home, we see them sound in the community at large, we see them sound among brethren. These are the leaders with a backbone that they have that will stop the mouths of those who destroy the body of Christ. That's the kind of men we need. That's the kind of men that we're looking to appoint. Now, here's the thing. How many of you actually think if we're looking at these, that you're looking at like super Christians, you got the big S on the chest? Because that's what it feels like at times to me. When you read of this kind of picture, it's as if they can do no wrong whatsoever. That they're, they're put high on this pedestal of, of great character that they... They're superhuman super Christian the reality is elders are human beings we just read out of first Timothy chapter 5 you give honor to these men in fact don't have an accusation against elders and I've over the years what almost 30 years of preaching I've seen accusations against elders some of which were Completely unsubstantiated. Paul tells Timothy, Do not receive an accusation against these men that have godly reputations, unless, just like the old law was saying, unless there are two or three witnesses. Right? The, the teaching is that with two or three witnesses, every word would be established. There's eyewitnesses to the fact that this person is living in sin, continues in sin, and if continuing sin, he says, Rebuke that elder in public. That's what Paul tells Timothy. So elders can sin. But we've got to be very careful because sometimes I've seen entire churches destroyed over an individual who has angst against one of the elders and going to tear him down. This is the body of Christ we're talking about. And brethren, all you have to do is look back through your own past and you may have seen these very things happen to the church. It does no good for the body. It only destroys it, and it destroys its reputation within the community that we're supposed to be shining our lights for. So we have to be careful in how we deal with elders that we disagree with. They're human, not only in, in this idea of, uh, that they can sin, but sometimes... Elders simply make decisions that are different than what you would want made and how you would want made. Right? There are things that the elders are saying, even right here at Franklin, saying, here's how we're going to handle this situation going forward because we've learned from our past, even our recent past. And some in the building would say, Amen. And others in the building might say, I don't agree with that. Do you support them? Even if you disagree. I'm not talking about the fact that they are denying Jesus as the Christ and they're denying the way of Christ. We're talking about the fact that they have made a quote unquote corporate decision for what they believe through their wisdom and prayer is the best decision for the congregation. And individually, you might disagree. That happens. But do you support them? Do you support them well? That's what we're talking about here because they're humans. And they cannot please everybody. Like anyone teaching a Bible class or anyone giving a sermon, when the sermon is done, you're going to have someone going, amen, that was the best sermon I ever heard. Worst sermon I ever heard on the other side. Same thing with decisions that elders make. It happens. They're human beings. They're doing the best that they can for the cause of Jesus Christ. How do you work with them and under their shepherding? As they strive to guide the flock. So here's the thing I wanna finish with. Whoever is appointed as shepherds for the congregation here, and wherever you are, wherever you have fellowship on a regular basis, here's what you need you need to always be praying for your leaders because of the work that they're supposed to be doing. You need to pray for them that they have wisdom. Pray for them that they use discretion with the wisdom that they have. That you pray for them in the decisions they make to guide the flock, because it's not always black and white. I'll give you one that's maybe that I think is simple, but some brethren are like this is not simple. I'll give you this: the elders just made a decision. I think just a few days ago, and posted it on either Facebook and or the email. This year, we have um, the Christmas holiday on Wednesday. And then the following week, seven days later, the 1st of January, on Wednesday. That's when our services are. And they made the decision that we're going to move services from Wednesday to Thursday. And some brethren are like, well, that was very thoughtful. And other brethren are like, they're gone the way of Cain. (laughs) That's the way some of the elders are treated. They have no regard for Jesus Christ. You know, isn't church more important than Christmas? And so that's the reasoning. So Wednesday night service. And they was like, yeah, that's why we're moving it to Thursday. So we can help brethren to do what they're doing with their families. so families can be together. And we get together on a Thursday night for once or twice in a year. We love our brethren. We want this to be a, a good thing for us to move it from Wednesday to Thursday. It's not because we love the Lord less. It's because we really love the Lord and we love his people. And we're being considered of of his people. Some of you are going to agree with the decision. Some of you are going to disagree with his decision. Or their decision, I should say. Do you support them even if you disagree? Do you support them well? Or are you going to say, I'm not going to come to church on Thursday night now. That's going to help the situation. Right? But that's how some brethren think. So you need to support them with your prayers. You need to encourage them. My goodness. If these men don't grow old any faster, because some of the things that, that they are privy to that are such great weights, it's a burden I don't wish upon anyone. And some of you men in this room that have previously served as elders know the weight that is so great. What do we say? How do we say it? Who do we say it to? Do we share every single thing that we've been given to the whole congregation? And some brethren are saying, yes, you should. And others are saying, no, you shouldn't. And, and, and somewhere in between on case-by-case situations. They have to deal with this every single time. And Jimmy always talks about having open communication. What happens when you actually have open communication? Some people don't like it. Too much communication. It's happened in the 10 years... We've been here. Too much information, not enough information. Did I get the saying right? You can't win for losing at times? It happens. So you need to encourage these men because of the great burdens that they are faced with that sometimes we are shielded from for our benefit in our walk with God. It's not because they want to hide stuff. It's not because they want to just, like, hold information. It's the last thing that they want to do. So you need to support them. You need to encourage them. You need to pray for them. Whether it's next Lord's Day, whatever the decision that the elders were saying two weeks from yesterday, and if that's the case, quite possibly, if not probably, God willing, next Sunday, three more men. ones that are in the bulletin, right? See, Ted, you have David, you have Michael. Their names are being put before this congregation. These are men that are human beings that have had a reputation of growth in the body of Christ. They've grown from their walk with God from years gone by to where they are now. They've lived through experiences that according to a number of brethren who have shared their names to the current eldership, saying these are godly men that we believe would be great leadership additions to the work of Christ here. If you you have issues with love for them, talk to them. (coughs) The elders have made it known you can talk to the current eldership. We want everyone in this in this congregation with our church family to uphold and to desire the well-being of the leadership of this office and for the men who are going to be leading in it. I'm gonna say this one thing that I think has been so beautiful, by the way. A number of you have done just that. You've had them in your homes, sometimes having them for dinner and discussing things, and that warms my heart. That's the way things should be done. And if you have had things that, that you've had issues with any of these men from years gone by, you've dealt with them in a very loving, if, even if private manner. And I say private because I'm not privy to all the information, but I you hear things. We, we, we talk. <laughs> and you've done it well. And those who haven't spoken to the men do so. For the cause of the body that is here, we want the body to be pure. We want the body to flourish And the only way we can can do that is actually dealing with our relationships with one another. So these men, whoever they may be that is going to be added to the current eldership, can be well supported and encouraged and prayed for. And the last thing I want to say that is not in the outline here, so get ready for your song. I'll get ready for the only one that uses a songbook, me. (laughs) Um, I want you to think about this reality that that when you have... this body of believers who are going to be leading the flock. Every one of them, through their strengths and through their weaknesses, have a desire to see the body of Christ succeed. And because they're human beings, we have every ability to encourage them when when they do fail just like when I fail, just like when our Bible class teachers fail, just like any other brother or sister in Christ. But because they have the added stress and burden for the, the position that they have desired to be leaders, help them to be good leaders. Give them opportunities to be good leaders. Good opportunities, not bad opportunities. And we will see beautiful fruit as a body, as a church family. Now here's the thing, just as the evangelist goes and evangelizes the gospel and brings them into the kingdom, these shepherds build up those who are in fact saved. And so I encourage you, if you're not part of this church body, that is the body of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking congregation, I'm talking about throughout the world, the invitation of the good news is for you. You can be added into a body where there are certain people... We call them Christians that we are all fellowshipping together with. And within this body of believers are those who are mature Christians who have a reputation of serving well. You can look to them as good, godly examples. Not perfect, but good, godly examples. And use them to see the image of Christ being born in their lives to be born in your life. And so the invitation is for you to become a child of God, to become more Christ-like. And brethren, again, if you need our prayers, by all means, we'd love to pray with you and for you. Take advantage of this invitation as we stand and sing the song.